Welcome to a new episode of Parole. Today's guest is a fellow Burundian, Nathalie Nyonzima. I have to prepare you beforehand. There are Burundian jokes and lots of laughter. I'm saying this just in case you may be allergic to some joy. Nathalie was introduced to me by a former guest, Carmen Nibigira. See here, the power of network I always share on Parole. Although we have never met in Bujumbura, Nathalie and myself found common ground, not only from our Burundian high school experiences and now as adults, by participating in projects that change Africa. On a previous life, Nathalie Diodnema was the managing director of Inhomoko, a premier business development services in Rwanda. Inhomoko is translated as the source or origin and was founded in 2012. The organization supports entrepreneurs in Rwanda by strengthening their business operations and increasing their profitability. Nowadays, Natalie has since joined Mastercard Foundation as a program partner in charge of the COVID recovery and resilience program. Not to blow my own horn, but I can admit that I'm pretty proud of the women and men I have interviewed so far, and for the ones working in Rwanda, where they are in position of leadership. Whether it's through Parole or my other podcast, Sportive, so far I have discovered opportunities of change, of growth in a neighboring country that I hope to see it with my own eyes soon. And being one who is always fair, we all know that Burundians are far better than the neighbors. I'm just saying. On this episode, I'm going to invite you to my podcast Sportive, where I interviewed Al Bichel, the co-founder of Cricket Builds Hope. He's British and his passion for cricket led him to build, with the help of many, the cricket stadium known as the Gahanga Cricket Stadium with a wonderful message of hope. You can follow Ingomoku and the Mastercard Foundation on Instagram, and you can do the same with Parole and Sportive Podcasts. Parole, Sportive, or Map Podcast, and they are all available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and everywhere you listen to your podcast. Enjoy. Uh, welcome to a new episode of, uh, of a podcast, actually, a new episode of a podcast called Parole with Alexandre Moyaboui. And uh, how can I say this? A Burundian who used to speak French was now. <laughs> She's laughing. <laughs> I was now comfortable in, in English. And I think she's like the third or the fourth person to do so. So it's it's fine. Um, glad that she she agreed to come over here because obviously I'll make some jokes, but you have to listen, uh, you know. So I'll let you introduce yourself, madam. <laughs> Are we really starting there? Uh? <laughs> Uh, hello, Alexandra. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, my, name is, um, my name is Nathalie Nyonzima. And like you said, yes, I'm a Burundian woman, fiercely <laughs> big believer in, um, in the African continent. I was uh, born and raised in Burundi. And uh, I think I moved to Rwanda back in 2008 for my undergrad studies. Um, I did uh, I did accounting. I'm an accountant. I'm a professional accountant. <laughs> so many jokes. So many jokes. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm. Uh, who am I? I'm. Uh, I'm. A, I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a mother of one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been fortunate to be raised by two uh, loving and caring parents. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. only one uh, is around with us, and. Um, I'm very passionate about women economic empowerment, uh, as well as uh, organizational development. And um, as we move on into this conversation, you probably understand why I'm passionate about those two fields. And I also dream of, um, of a time where 
the word Africa and the word poverty will not be pronounced in the same sentence. Amen to that. I'm, I'm not sure I'll be around when that happens, but that's no, that's no, no, you will be. <laughs> and that's it. And je parle toujours français. Je l'ai fait exprès. C'était cadeau. So that's pretty much who I am. This is me. Okay, that's great. So I was going to give you this, uh, I think it will be the, the first and the only uh, compliment because we've been teasing each other since. Okay, you're as beautiful as a Burundian can be. Okay. Uh... Oh. <laughs> I'll take it. Thank you. Voilà. So much. <laughs> Donc, uh, for the rounded people, you'll understand. We know what's up. So, and... You still speak French, that's true. So, okay, what happened? How did you learn French? Because obviously you're in Burundi, where did you study? That's what I want to hear first. And then we'll talk about the undergrad studies, you know, afterwards. Okay, so I did my uh, my nursery primary school. I did at the Ecole um, Saint-Michel-Archange. And then uh, my secondary school at Lycée du Saint-Esprit. So you can imagine that I got the best. Let's have a minute of <laughs> that, silence. That the education of Burundi could offer. <laughs> a minute of silence because, uh, voila. Uh, so yeah. For those who never went to the Ecole Internationale de Bujumbois, we love you still. Thank you very much. So how was uh, Ecole Saint-Michel-Arcange? Because we almost had the same uniform. And, ugh, I mean, the okay. blanc cassé, là, le, the off-white color was not the best. Jeez. No, it, yeah, I, I. Although I, yours, like with the white, makes made more sense, but the red and the oh la la. Yeah, you, you guys had a very funny uniform. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, ah, she's trying. She's trying. Okay, it's because we're so cool that we can take the craziest things and make them cool. Oh, like, no. When, when, you can call when, me. When the red colors faded from the your uniform, it looked weird. At least for us, the white would fade. Like, it's just white. True. But we're just <laughs> it's like wearing, you know, when you wear Converse, Converse shoes when you're like 15, you know, you don't want them clean. You want them like hyper uh, sale, hyper like, you know, that's mm -hmm. how the style comes, you know. Nah, I know, nah, I know, nah, I know. Nah, nah, and then nah. when you grow up, you're like, oh, okay, I can clean them. So that was our style. <laughs> it was all good. It was all it good then. We liked it. And Saint-Esprit, yeah. because I think you're like the second person who spoke about Saint-Esprit or Rugizo. How was the system there? Yeah. Okay. Let me start with the, maybe. Guys, uh, <laughs> ah. <laughs> First of all, I think the, the, the common thing that those, these two schools have the, the the thing that those two schools have in common, blah, 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 sorry, uh, they are all backed by religious um, community, right? The nuns, the sœurs, Mukama were the ones behind Ecole Michel Archange, and so unlike Ecole uh, uh, Internationale, our school pictures never really look good because of our haircut. Ah, um, oh, we always have a skin head. <laughs> That's true. That's and true. a very oily skin. That's... <laughs> you can sense like the whole trauma is coming out after all these years. You're like, yeah. Like, why? No. Why? Why? <laughs> 
And uh, there were also, uh, I don't know if it was the, the religious background, I don't know, but this, the two schools were actually very, very strict mm. in terms of discipline. Yeah. At least for, at least at the time where I was studying in both. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And it was also at the time where students were still canned. I don't know if that's still happening, if you didn't have a good grade. So I, 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 I it was supposed to instill us a sense of competition. I'm not sure they succeeded <laughs> on that on that side, um, but that's really Ecole uh, Saint-Michel-Archange. But really uh, funny memory around that because I used to play football. Yeah. Uh, you, you wouldn't know or notice it right now looking at me, but yes, I used to represent my school in the tournament. <laughs> oh, wow. So we beat you like crazy. That's what it means. <laughs> oh boy. I think um, the audience, it's like, are they, where's this interview going? Because at first we was talking about women empowerment and now you're like trashing schools. <laughs> It's still empowerment, right? So if I was playing for the primary school girls team, soccer team, it was was maybe a a sign that eventually. I never, yeah. Okay. So what was about Saint-Esprit? Because that's the only thing really that, that amazes me with compared to the private schools, I just say that, the, the, you guys have like a sense of competition that I really never understood. You know what I mean? It's like, if no, I'm happy real. 60%, 70%, which is not a D minus, by the way, huh? for those who know, they know. I'm like, that's fine. I, I can help somebody who doesn't, you know. No. It was more like you entered yeah. like. No. <laughs> a realm of like, I'm going to eat you alive, kill you, kill your surroundings so I can have my first... Like, huh? It was it was competition, but it was not an unhealthy one. I think that's really the beauty okay. of uh, Saint Esprit, and I think that's for me. Um, I think I have my best memories in in education in general <laughs> okay. came from Lycée du Saint Esprit, pretty much. Why? Oh, okay. Because so, and I did uh, my like my entire secondary school okay. there, yeah. or pretty much like what seven years or so there, and it was. It was just an amazing school to be at. Why? A, you were surrounded with very, very smart kids. Mm-hmm. Like, those it was a melting pot. And those then, who didn't make it at international. Okay. <clears throat> but let's just... I'll, I'll, let, 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 let me, I'll come back to you on this one. Because I think as I said, I, for those who couldn't make it to the Santa's field, like, oh, okay, no, there's no, a private no, school no, somewhere. No. <laughs> and uh, so... Going back to research self experience, so you get the I think you get surrounded by the the most I think the smartest kids pretty much, and these kids and they're coming from all walks of life. So you could be in a class with the child of the highest serving government official, and then in the same class you will be with a kid whose family can't even afford two meals a day. And, and what that teaches you, A, it brings, it, 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 it actually shows you, I think, I think it's, you, you gain perspective from being in such um, a community. Because for you to bond, you will not bond around material things. 
it's not about who has the best converse or who has the the new the newly released game or mm. who has gone to the coolest party like it's not that that bonds you 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 it forces you to actually get to learn people on an individual basis get to know them their values what drives them and that's really the beauty of the school and uh, coming back to the competition yes it was highly competitive but it was not he- it was not unhealthy people okay. were actually teaching each other <laughs> like literally okay okay so nice. there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of empathy and um, and that's why when we were, we would, we'd come to Ecole Internationale, you know, when we have your party, genre kermesse et tout ça. Spectacle kermesse. Voilà. We, we, I found you to be very entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. No, no. Not on my watch. Not on my podcast. <laughs> very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the fact that you... You were always looking great. Jean, mm-hmm. vous avez même au salon de coiffure. For the, uh, for yes, because we had like uh, les cheveux défrisés. Voilà, Don't like, want your hair to be like this, quoi. And it was mandatory at school, honnêtement. Like to <clears throat> coiffer tes cheveux, quoi. Ouais, ouais, ouais. life. For us, what was mandatory is to cut your hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And, oh, yeah. and it was always fascinating because I found like I felt like you guys were in a bubble. Hey, who on earth speaks French like outside of class? Like who does that? <laughs> you guys you were doing it and casually. You know the no. thing. <laughs> you know the funny thing is that I think like most Parisians, or to cut those who live in the in the city, mm-hmm. most of them speak French. Uh, qui rend dit French. Tu, tu vois ce que je veux dire? Non, ça va, come on. Who knows how to say ouais. gouverneur en qui rend dit? Et la matin. Oh, come on. Euh, oui, ministre, euh, euh, ministre des Affaires étrangères. Mouchikilangandji. Oh, come on. <laughs> euh, administrateur, secrétaire. Hari, ça va, Dédé. Ah, voilà, déjà. C'est bon. Non, non, rien. Non, tu vas chercher. Voilà. Moustané est administrateur. Moustané? Ici? Non. Yes. Moustané, yes. Non. But it's okay. Mais, 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 I understand. I understand. Pas le maire de quelque chose. Non, pas le maire. Substitut de quelque chose. Moustané, c'est pas gouverneur, ça? Moustané. Oui, oh, yeah. vous la matinez, gouverneur. Ça va, c'est bon, tu vois? Donc, uh, we, were, we were speaking French in class, and then when it's break time, like... Nah, let's switch back, you know? And then you can say, okay, so now everyone is speaking French like so casually, like in a conversation. Like, oh my God, who are these people? Where did they come from? <laughs> Because we're at Ecole Internationale, so we're still in the vibe of this school. You know what I mean? <laughs> That was the whole idea. No, oh, I yeah, think was, uh, we should do like a museum for International because we help <laughs> kids to see the outside world, like to be like, Oh, this can happen. So this is what heaven looks like. It's uh, a war town. Like you know what I mean. It's like I used like... I, I I used to have one of my neighbor. I think mm-hmm. I, I think we were back in primary school though. Um, he was going to école um at your school, right? École internationale. And then he asked me to accompany him to his one of his classmates borrow a book. And we're in the same level, right? And then I look at the book he 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 got. I'm like. What type of book is this? Are we even using the same curriculum? Like, 
like, you guys are, like, I don't know. Ah, I just, okay. I risk my kiss. I don't even know what you guys uh, are studying I... at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we love you. Yeah, uh, God, God, God created all of us. So, That's yeah. true. That's true. He was like, <laughs> see, there's Paul and there are the apostles. If you want to be like Paul, if you, <laughs> the apostles, if you want to be like Paul, be, do this. You wish, you wish. So imagine <laughs> taking the, 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 okay. Life it is like this. There are the have and the have nots. That's for sure. But there is something that really, as as a Burundian to Waki who grew up in a in a space where obviously I knew I was privileged and it's a mm. gift and you know you don't mm. take that aside. It's not like we grew up and that's just something that I keep saying is that it's not like we grew up in the Parisian suburbs where you you don't ever have to take the the tram or the metro to you mm. know to the outside Parisian life. In Burundi, you had to see poverty. You had to see the consequences of war. So mm. we were, at, like, we knew what was happening. And especially for me, mm. I used to go, like, in Gozi a lot of time. Mm. It's not to say that Gozi is poor, not at all. But on the way there, you pass mm. through, like, Kivira. You pass through different places where you're like, okay, you know? Mm. Poverty is not only in Burundi, like, in Bojumbois. It's everywhere. It's, like, your yeah. surroundings. And for me, what I liked with normal people, I'm not saying because, of course, there are some crazy, <laughs> crazy people, uh, is that we were able to mix the, the, the you know, the pluses that we had mm-hmm. through MTV, through TV5, through France 2, mm-hmm. and seeing a better life and seeing the, the potential of what Bohondi could get. And that, for me, that's what I learned. Mm-hmm. Let me give you this example. You remember when, uh, I think it was, pas Canal Plus, so when we had like, uh, avant this TV, like a box, basically, there were like three or four channels. One of them mm-hmm. was Canal Plus, Super mm-hmm. Sport, and Mnet. So mm-hmm. up until the age of 12, and après Canal changed to RTL 9, Jesus Lord, the worst trade ever, history, just saying that for Télé Disbourne. You could, like, you grew up, learning French or English, but you could see the outside world. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. in the US it's done like this. In France mm-hmm. it's done like this. In Burundi, I still don't get it. Like it's 2021, I still don't get how things work. But mm-hmm. with la volonté, not only politics, but la volonté, there is a potential. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's the, the, the upper hand that we had compared to the average or to the low Burundian. Uh, low income mm. because there was no outside you could see mm. that every day you know what I mean yeah. when you switch yeah. on TV yeah. because we were not fed MTV all day every day huh? no <laughs> <laughs> okay if I go to school and I do this if we all go to school actually if the youth goes to school and we do this and that okay do I want to get a 90% of no je m'en fous, 50 will do huh? <laughs> 50, mm-hmm. 60, 70, if you want, so I can mix with my extracurriculars, meaning mm. sports, or having socializing with friends, which is pretty mm. important as Burundians and as a person. So that's what I want to give as a, I think, yeah, as my background yeah. at Ecole Internationale and Ecole Belge. Mm. I mean, you, you, you're you raising a, a, a very interesting point. Can you hey, I... I, I remember watching Mnet, it was with very blurry images because 
we didn't have the subscription. <laughs> <laughs> so we found a way around. And then it was Buzzy. four content in English. And I think it was just my, one of my sisters who were in the first year of secondary, the CTM. So mm-hmm. she, she was learning basic English and she's mm-hmm. trying to like translate the whole movie Merci. in like, he, she heard happy, okay, content. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was weird, it was go. so funny. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think exposure or being exposed to different content sometimes also influence your dreams. Because um, maybe just like a small example, an anecdote. I think what, what I was, when I was still in Saint um, Esprit in high school, we're in an English class and then we were supposed to write a small essay. And the question was, what would you like to become when you grow up? And I think we were in the third or fourth uh, year in secondary. I don't remember correctly. And I don't know, I stood up 15 years old, very confident. I wanted to be a CEO <laughs> for sure. Like I had like clarity of mind. That's huh? what's up. <laughs> but in the, my same class, uh, I had um, I had one of my colleagues who stood up and say that he wanted to be, um, I, I can't find the right word in English, mais in, but in French was chef de quartier. Yeah, neighborhood watch, surveillance oh. type of, yeah. One thing. So mm-hmm. he wanted to be a chef de quartier because there was such a high rate of crime in his community and giving or getting that position would give him a level of influence where he could stop that. And so that speaks to, you know, like the, the, the sense of insecurity and seeing the need around you. And so you can see in the same class, two two kids two different types of dreams mm. you know because that's also influenced by what's what's going on in your community in, in your environment within your family the type of conversations that yeah. you're having right so if you're um hoping to i don't know go to harvard someone else is just mm. dreaming to survive you know seeing mm. they too and so yeah that's uh that's that's an interesting point sorry for the that's detail. true <laughs> and it's and and that esprit and Vugido, like the the beauty of those schools is to mix to blend those kids those different i don't think it's always easy to be honest because i think sitting down with someone who's like what it's a ceo what do you mean a ceo <laughs> i remember being mm-hmm. in the classroom with a friend who wanted to become a teacher mm-hmm. you know like full-time i get it if you want to be like my dad is like an economist he used to be a professor in university i'll be like okay 50 50 20 here and there like I was like, what do you mean you want to teach full time? He's like, yeah, I want to teach mathematics. I remember that. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, that call. <laughs> he was like, okay. And he was so cool and so happy about it. But having these conversations with people who, you know, like you, the use of the of now, and just be like, you know what? There's so much more, you know, mm-hmm. without being pompous, without being obnoxious, and, and be like, there is so much more. You can be chef de quartier but can we think you know can we expand yeah you can yeah not being called spoiled because you don't have the problems of the same you know yes you can expand but again you need to be in the right mental space if i can call it that way to 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 think that far 
Right, like, and, and let me maybe explain myself here. If you, I mean, I grew up in the war, pretty much. My entire childhood was in the war. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so if you're fortunate enough to, to have been living in a certain neighborhood where you had even a fence or a guard, like that was, that's not given for all, you know, the different mm-hmm. neighborhoods. And so if you spend your entire childhood sleeping in the corridor because of the gunshots, trust me, CEO is not your first dream. Yeah, that's for sure. First no, dream is not. like, are we going to be safe tomorrow? That's, that's for sure. Yeah, you know? that's true. And, and that's, uh, that, that's where I think we need to be. We need to understand that peace is everything, you know? Mm. Peace and stability is, is a key in- ingredient or to even help the young people, you know, just get the permission to dream <laughs> because that's a starting point. If you're always mm. in struggle, you might, it's, it's a different type of challenge. <laughs> that's true. But we're getting rid of the trauma step by step because we love the country. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, uh, no, it's funny because at the end I realized something uh, when, <laughs> I know it's this sounds silly. This is um, my episode of on Teledis. Sometimes when uh, there was a heavy rain, the satellite wouldn't work or something. Like, don't ask me how it happened. Mm-hmm. Then in the middle of like a movie or like a miniseries, you'll be like, shh, shh, shh. you're like, what is it? Oh, no, it's the rain and the clouds and stuff. You're like, what is this? Why, Jesus, why? <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, you know what? You're like, okay the movie because it was not netflix huh you don't pause and then wait mm-hmm. the movie goes and it's that's it huh that's <laughs> you it. see it again you can be creative and, and think about how it ended <laughs> that's true you'll write your own script but i remember it was a one christmas at some time when we like there was no there was no electricity mm-hmm. years ago like and no electricity on christmas like i don't know what happened And I was like, this is crazy. Like the whole world is like celebrating this, but Burundians, <laughs> we're all like stuck in the dark because I don't know what. And I was angry and angry. And then I realized, but Alex, we're in the middle of the war. You know, mm-hmm. some, some of the, some of the Burundians, some of us are dying. And I'm like, so you have like the first world problems. Huh? What people yeah. like, can I live without the Wi-Fi? Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. Of course you can. <laughs> <laughs> And to, oh my goodness, do I have enough food on the table? On the table, And I yeah. think it's a, it's a good mix uh, as a Burundian. But we want peace. Peace of mind is really... Peace. Yeah, peace. A, yeah, it's crazy. That's true. So that was interesting. You just became the ambassador of Santi's Esprit because you gave a beautiful speech. Thank you for that. I'm applying for my being a spokesperson for uh, <laughs> I'm not even applying. They have to call me. Merci. They have to go. <laughs> you know yourself, call me. Depuis quatre ans. Depuis dès l'âge de quatre ans. So yeah. yeah. Uh, afterwards, because what you you said you left for Rwanda, you studied undergrad. What happened? What did you choose? So in high school, already, I think uh, my my trade or six dollars they call it in french it was economic economics 
And oh, okay. uh, he had an institutional economic. Um, he was, I think we were like the second or the third um, cohort graduating okay. Okay. Uh, with that new trade. And so, okay, I moved to Rwanda for my undergrad. Um, I did a bachelor's in business administration and decided to, to and in, in, in accounting actually. So that's what I picked. And, uh, and yeah, I graduated in 2011. And what was the university? At the time, it was called School of Finance and Banking. Um, oh, okay. Yes. And uh, since it has been now restructured and currently it's now called College of Business and Economics and the University of Rwanda. Oh. So there was a, this huge ah, okay. restructuring yeah. happening. It happened about two, two years ago. So mm -hmm. but at that time, it was School of Finance and Banking um, in Kigali. And... Um, and yes, so I'm an accountant. I eventually uh, continued or further my education in getting a, a professional certification still in accounting. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, I started actually, I joined the workforce in my third year. So I started working full time oh. in my third year of university. And yeah, and That's this great. year I'm, I'm applying for an MBA. Come on. <laughs> After what eleven years of work, I'm like, okay, That's I think great. now I'm ready. That's great <laughs> to enroll into an MBA and uh, and voila. Uh, there you go. So, how did you get your um, the first job then in your third year? So I started working. Uh, it's always interesting. I think we all start working out of necessity, right? Like sure. you become an adult and then you you realize that you have you have what it takes to actually take care of yourself, right? You have the skills. You you're smart enough. Mm. Why not? <laughs> hoping, hoping. Yes, <laughs> like you had learned a lesson. <laughs> I'm not for you, but for for the audience. We love you guys. <laughs> Just so yeah, I think uh, uh, in retrospection, I I think when I look at my career, there there was always a different motive to how I grew professionally. You always start um, entry-level jobs is really out of necessity. You need to take mm -hmm. care of yourself and your own needs and you know, pay for school fees and all of that. And then eventually, um, eventually you get to a point after maybe six years of work, you start find, try, trying to find a meaning or to assign a meaning to the type of work you do. And you want to see the impact of your work mm -hmm. in uh, in the community and try to ask yourself like how do I fit how do how am I helping solve some of the most pressing issues that our continent is facing and so my first job very intuitive job I was just a receptionist and an account <laughs> assistant <laughs> it was Thanks. a car dealership <laughs> help pay for my schools happy yeah. about that opportunity and when I graduated, I, uh, I joined a series of um, nonprofits. So they were international nonprofit organization. And really my roles really revolved around operation and finance, again, because I had graduated in, in that field. Mm -hmm. But going back in my first job, I think I really used to be very observant of our CEO. And I had a question, like, how, how does she manage all of this? She has mm -hmm. a team of 80 staff. She has, we had, I don't know, over 100 
client like how does she juggle all of that and for me that that became my target like I I want to be in that place <laughs> I don't go. know when but I'm gonna sit in that place <laughs> the new old you was like I see it I'm almost there oh. yeah exactly I see it <laughs> and then and then funny enough in all the position that I've held even after uh, because I think I've worked for about four different organizations, there was always either one or two people between myself and the country head. So even in junior law, I was always like, okay, let me observe how our country director is doing. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm, I think I've always been driven by just my hunger to learn and grow um, professionally. So although my, although my qualification when in accounting, I knew that accounting was not going to be a box just for me. Like that's, I'm not going to be defined by just an accountant, but general management of an institution is actually very, very crucial. Mm -hmm. um, because when you look at uh, why some of our institutions don't even grow beyond their founder is really the lack of structure. So there's a reason why most of the companies in Africa are failing right mm -hmm. and i think for me that's 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 an area that uh, where i want to continue growing and helping or supporting other yep. institution because um if we're talking about getting ourselves out of poverty and and sustainable growth it will it will start from building really strong institutions institutions that grow out and be go beyond the founders right absolutely so yeah, so um, worked for a different organization, nonprofit, um, operation, finance. I think those the two that I want to highlight and that I'm proud of <laughs> are um, first one. I will start with the the organization called Inhomoko Entrepreneur Development mm -hmm. um, that I had joined. I worked with Inhomoko for five years. Okay. Uh, uh, and up until last year in December, I was leading Inhomoko. <laughs> leading meaning? Uh, meaning I was the managing director. There of you go. The company. Ala, ala. <laughs> and, Speak and it will happen. There you go. <laughs> yes. Maybe let me share with you maybe a few data points that hopefully will paint a picture of why I'm interested and why I'm so passionate about the work that we did either at Inomoko and at the organization that I'm currently working with right now. So first and foremost, um, when you look at the economy, at least here in Rwanda, and I'm sure it's not very unique to Rwanda, it's also an observation for other countries in Africa at the, the, the minimum. When you look at the number of jobs, 98% of jobs in Rwanda are created by micro small and medium-sized enterprise. And we're talking about um, small businesses, one to 20 people, around maximum 100 million in revenue. That's like maximum, like, yeah. right? Okay. And so if we're, and if you, be, you, if you live in a country like this one, where it's got, they're undergoing a social and economical transformation, you, if you're thinking of um, you know, building an economy or developing a country, that's a subset that you, uh, a subset that you cannot overlook. So the development 
will go through the micro and small medium sized enterprise, right? So that's one. Um, second, the median age of African continent is 18 years. We have a very young, young, young population. If you look at the percentage of African high school graduates who transition to university, it's only 8%. Eight. So no. I think you'll continue feeling privileged with the fact that you have a best <laughs> you have gone to university, right? <laughs> ah, Jesus is good. Jesus is the provider. And uh, nine years from now, I think in 2030, um, the number of young Africans who joined the labor force is 375 million. This is a little over like the whole entire population of the US, right? So yeah. there's a high sense of urgency, you know, that the, the demographic, like you, you cannot overlook the young people if you want to develop a country. And so why uh, am, I, am I very proud of the work that I did with Inhomoko? Inhomoko is um, the largest provider of business development services to micro and small medium-sized enterprise in Rwanda. So a business accelerator. So mm. we would identify um, uh, entrepreneurs in Rwanda, take them through um, a program where we would train them in the different areas. So I'm talking about marketing, um, sales, finance, taxes, and we'll also provide them with low-cost financing. Because when you think about what needs to go into or uh, the ingredients that need to come together in terms of helping a, a business grow, and there is the capacity building, there is the access to finance, and there's mm. also access to network. Um, because the network will unlock your market, the network will unlock even access to finance itself, right? Yeah. And, and, and we were very much inclusive in our approach. Mm -hmm. So whether you are a Rwandan who's just returning uh, to Rwanda to set up a business, you'll be eligible. Whether you're an immigrant who is trying to rebuild a life in Rwanda, you'll be eligible. Or if you're a resident in Rwanda, okay. you'll still be eligible to get through our program. And so um, we worked with over 11,000 entrepreneurs in my time um, at Inhomoko, and they came from all the 30 districts pretty much in Rwanda. And we're looking okay. at different sectors. So whether it's agro-processing, whether it's in fashion, whether it's in textile, whether it's in construction, all of that. So yes, <laughs> and, uh, and last year, like I mentioned, um, I was there and up until last year, at the end of last year, and COVID happened last year, right? So, and the most heat, I would say, um, people were actually the entrepreneurs. And because when you look at the strategy at this year, in the, here in Rwanda is to become a service-led economy. And there had been a lot of investment in tourism and hospitality. Which industry got most hit by COVID? Tourism. <laughs> and so um, we really had to work tirelessly to find a way we could help those small businesses just get back on their feet, at least just restart. Um, because if you are, for instance, a young woman selling, I don't know, tomatoes somewhere border the, the, near the border of Tanzania, and you're in the lockdown for, you know, close to a month. Yeah. Trust me, even the capital that you're using to sell, you're, you're going to use it for your own consumption because your family needs to be fed first. 
And so how do you get them to just, you know, restart? Mm -hmm. And that's really the work, the bulk of the work that we did. Um, Last year, we had to inject a one-time grant um, to over 3,500 micro and small medium enterprises in order to just just get back on their feet and rehire the people they could with the limited resources. So that's pretty much about Ihomoko and the work that we do. And yeah. We did, and yeah. they still do. I'm still proud, you know. <laughs> that's crazy. Okay. And, um, and so this year, I this year I uh, uh, think two months ago, pretty much, it's still very new. Mm-hmm. I joined another organization, um, and the organization is called um, the Mastercard Foundation. Maybe just to paint a picture of what the organization is. So the Mexico Foundation is the largest uh, philanthropy institution in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so they work with uh, to ensure that millions of young people in Africa, um, uh, particularly young women, access quality education, financial services, and dignified work. And they um, seek a world where everyone has the opportunity to learn and prosper. And so my role at at MasterCard Foundation is to really oversee the portfolio of the um, COVID-19 recovery and release uh, resilience program. And this is a program that was created at the wake of the COVID-19 global pandemic to address both immediate and long-term needs emanating from, from the crisis. Um, the program has two main goals. Uh, first goal is to address immediate needs, uh, such as supporting the health workers and the first responders and provide emergency funds to students. And the second goal is to invest in initiatives that will safeguard critical institution and enable them to recover and em- emerge stronger mm-hmm. in the aftermath of the pandemic. So that involves expanding access to financial services to micro, for micro, small, medium-sized enterprise. That also entails enabling the adoption of e-learning to assist young people whose education has been disrupted by the crisis. That involves supporting the adoption of digital solution to address real needs of the population. So the foundation is operating in eight countries, uh, Kenya, Uganda, Uganda, Ethiopia, Senegal, Ghana, Nigeria, and Canada. For me, that was um, joining the foundation was a way for me to actually, like, I think, amplify or and build on the work that I was doing with Ihomoko before. Mm-hmm. Um, so the foundation does not implement uh, the programs themselves; they work through a network of partners. Okay. In Rwanda, we have over thirty partners in education, uh, MSME support, access to finance, and. Uh, and ed tech, so ed, uh, technology applied to education. Mm-hmm. So that's really in a nutshell <laughs> what's going on in, on the continent. Yeah. And uh, and the work is really close to my heart again because if you grow, growing up in Burundi, right, where like you've mentioned, like you you see poverty and you see what happens when you forget to plan for the young people, right? So who mm. who who was killing, like in the war, who was killing? Those, those were the young people who were yeah. hopeless, who didn't have access to economic opportunity. Mm. And so, um, so I'm fortunate, I think, for me uh, personally, to be able to work with organizations that are trying, let me say trying, because mm. it's, not, yeah, it's not a challenge that can be really solved by one institution. 
but you know organizations are tackling these issues because I'm young and I want to you know to build a life on the continent and I want to 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 have the best that the yeah. continent can offer and that starts with using some of the skills that I have so this is my meager contribution <laughs> Why not? <laughs> there you go. No, it's it's interesting um, on so many levels, obviously. Uh, not because you're, you're a Burundian and you've seen something. It's not to dismiss the work done by uh, NGOs or foreign foundations or something like that. But it's to say, do you even understand? Do you even understand what's happening on the ground? It's, it is what it is. The, 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 the plus that you have for you is that not only do you speak Kirundi, which is slash Kiranda, so... You can blend in a country, although Kirundi, it is the right uh, language for those listening. Thank you very much. The, the, the day I visit Rwanda, I think they will be like waiting for me. On <laughs> what did you say about Ecole International? And what did you say about Rwanda? <laughs> but the, 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 the reason why I think I wanted to speak with you was to know what's happening. Because you said something amazing that really speaks to me is when you don't have a plan. I mean, you're like walking around like a crazy man to voir. and in homoko okay you guys are doing this i, I want to take you back a little bit on in homoko you said it's a business accelerator we know that as you said smes and you know micro and, and companies and at the same time you see that the government of rwanda is right like pushing all these initiatives and i'm like uh, uh slash i'm jealous you know what i mean <laughs> like, i'm like why jesus but how can you like see what's happened, what's been, uh, knowing the history of Rwanda, obviously, you can see like they've been through a lot. What are you learning for yourself? Going back to the years where you were like sitting with someone who didn't, wasn't eating two meals a day. And then fast forward years afterwards and you're like, okay, the, the country, I'll say the Kagame uh, minister, they're doing this, they're implementing all of these things. If only we had had like maybe someone who was doing the same thing, but we didn't have the same priorities back then. They just say, now, what can we, basically, how are you hopeful to see like things like that happening in Burundi anytime soon? You know what I mean? Like someone who just takes a, a sheet of paper and be like, in 2030, in 2050, you know what I mean? And be like, okay, I don't know how we're gonna manage it, but let's just start by writing it for Christ's sake. That's just me. Right minute. Yeah, I mean, the, the, these two countries have a complete, complete different histories. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I have to be respectful of that fact first. Sure. Um, and hmm, what am I learning? I'm learning a lot. So first of all, um, it's, it's the, it starts with the, the vision and the intention. And when I say vision, we're talking about long-term. We are not talking about a decision that is only um, solving an immediate problem. We are talking about taking a decision that will impact positively millions of people. So when you start having a long-term view, trust me, the, the quality of decision also changes. And the second thing is the, the intentionality. So it's one thing to say that you want young people to, 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 um, to participate in the economy or in the active life in the country. And it's another thing to actually show and walk the talk. 
And maybe uh, to uh, re reconcile it with the work that we're doing, if you want to create um, a vibrant business environment, there's a lot that goes into it, you know? And here we're talking about, and the different pillars, you know, you have the human capital, so the people, you need to develop them. So human capital development and management. Mm -hmm. You're talking about business support, like what is the quality of business advisory services that is available to help those young people? You're talking about financing, how do you get the young people who have no collateral, have limited experience, who are just driven by their eagerness and their passion, how do you get connect them to the kind or the type of financing that can help them even start something or grow their business? Mm. We're talking about um, the type of policies, how easy or difficult is it for even the young people to start a business? So the business enabling environment, we're talking about market and value chain. Like how do you now connect um, Rwanda or your country to global or regional market? And that's why I think I'm so excited about the, the ratification, the signature of the AFCFTA because mm -hmm. what in, I mean, it's a dream, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but not there yet. A but long way dream, coming, but yeah. Yeah, but the dream is to actually start and have every entrepreneur on the continent, whether you're in Burundi now, you, the market becomes the African continent, mm -hmm. not only Burundi or mm -hmm. not only East Africa. Yeah. And that is very key if you want to have economy developed. You're talking about the infrastructure, right? Okay. The technology that is available and also um, creating a sense of uh, entrepreneurial culture. Like, yes, the time where you were going to school and hoping that the government will give you a job and will land on your lap, that time is long, long gone. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. how do you instill the entrepreneurship culture right from secondary school, primary school? Like how do you now help kids learn about financial literacy? Mm. So all these are ingredients that have to come together to create a, a vibrant uh, business environment. And that's those ingredients, so many different organizations have to come in. And, yeah. and in that melting pot of organization, public sector has to lead the way yeah. and then sure. rally the private sector because the private sector at the end of the day, they implement, yeah. but they have to work hand in hand so, so they can achieve the bigger vision. All right. Yeah, vision, intentionality, um, and yeah. uh, a bit of optimism. <laughs> yeah, lots of lots of faith. Let's just say that. Of, of faith, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I worked in hospitality uh, up until last year, actually, because as you said, when um, COVID hit, we were like, oh, it's gonna, we're going to have three weeks holidays. Yeah, it's going to be fine. Three months later, we went back to work and... I realized, like, although I really love hospitality and tourism, it was not um, the hotel that I had left three months earlier. Like, the system was, it was so different. And, and I worked in a four-star hotel. I realized that I needed a break. So I went to Paris for a couple of weeks. No, actually for the weekend, for a long weekend. And then I went to Portugal for five days. I was staying in a really nice hotel. And where everybody was seeing 
like stress and changes and you know COVID was doing this and this and that maybe because I grew up in Burundi and in Africa I've seen worse than COVID I was like uh, it's fine and they're like no but you could do this and don't touch the lift and you know just don't give me the credit card just swipe it I'm like my goodness lord this is not service I left my work I left my you know easy peasy work and I was like, there is something in hospitality. There is a shift happening in, in, in tourism. If it is hap- if I can see this so clearly in Europe, where it takes so much, uh, so much energy to change one thing, especially in France, I was like, there's something happening in Africa. And then there is like a shift, economic shift that's happening. So I started my consulting firm in sports and tourism. And then obviously you can't, you can't travel. You go, you read things that's happening on a continent and most of the hotels are closed. Knowing that most of the hotel owners, not, I'm not talking about the brands, obviously, Marriott, uh, Radisson, I think you, you guys have over there. Hotel owners, because we're talking about small, medium enterprises. They may be entrepreneurs, but maybe not understanding the tourism industry. Although uh, the country is pushing for like premium kind of luxury visit. What did you have to teach them? Be like, let's shift. This is a season of shift. You thought, you know, tourists were coming from the US and France and Sweden. Now we need to go local. You need the Burundian and the Tanzanian. Without being, you know, this is not Michelin, but it's just opportunities. It's just like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. I think when you look at the, I'm not, I'm not a tourism expert. So disclaimer. <laughs> Uh, but if you look at the, some of the channels that were getting most of the visitors in the country was through uh, what they locally brand as mice, yeah. <laughs> meeting, yeah. uh, conferences and all of that. So why our target market, at least at Imomoko, was not the, the, the likes of Marriott or Radisson, but rather not. maybe a guest house that has maybe 10 bedrooms somewhere in Musanze, which is the northern part of the country. Mm-hmm. So number one was how can, how can you create a product, a tourism product that is that you can sell to the local market, so East Africa and Rwanda. So product, product diversification was number one. And then the second one was also business diversification, right? So you are now um, a primarily, you, you, were, you had heavily invested in a hotel, but maybe this is your time to also for you to diversify. So we saw mm-hmm. some, most of the business now starting a comp- like a different or a second business, right? So okay. then you would look at the, the value chain in tourism. So maybe tourism is linked to agriculture and agro-processing. Okay, great. So tourism is also linked to light industry, light manufacturing, sorry, light manufacturing. So how do you now start creating locally some of the product that you're importing? You're talking about let me call, let, let me even talk about soaps, right? Mm-hmm. So you're in a lockdown and you know the whole country needs hy- hygienic products and you were previously importing most of the product. So now the shift is now let's actually start producing locally some of the yeah. basic needs, mm-hmm. some of the product that we need. So if, if you're previously importing, I don't know, you're a hotel and you're importing the napkins or your bed sheets, can you find them locally? So yeah. understanding that should such a pandemic happen or 
God forbid, but can you as a country be more like it's, it's really building around resilience of the economy. Can you sustain yourself at least for the most basic product that you need <laughs> yeah. for you to keep running? And so that's the shift um, yeah. that is happening. I, re- I remember because I went into business school as well. I remember asking at some point something about Burundi was being stressed stress through COVID and many people were being stressed to test. And for those who survived, not survived, who were resilient more than others, you just say that. It's easy to talk about the SMEs. How about the women or the families who are selling, you know, the fruits? It was tough, I guess. It was, it was, I must say that it was, it was very tough, but um, from, from at least the, the studies that we did um, after we had, like I mentioned, we did provide a grant courtesy of Mastercard Foundation. <laughs> um, bam, 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 bam. <laughs> so interestingly, interestingly, the women-led businesses, although they were micro and small, right? So they, they had the smallest capital. Although they were micro and small, the women-led businesses recovered faster than women-led business. Why? Because the women they care more about their family and they are so focused. Like the, the focus is so narrow to, I need my family to survive. And therefore I need to get back to business. It's, it's very, I'll say small, but I think that speaks to the resiliency of women because it's livelihood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's survival pretty much. And so there's still a lot of work that we need to do because I'm not happy when, statistics show that women-led business are more micro and small right like I want them to be large and medium because when you invest in a woman you're actually investing in a whole family like the ripple effects are visible Mm. Um, so yeah they were mostly hit but I'm happy to see that they're actually recovering faster compared all right just so that people know for the companies that are created they're like so you want to start more uh, uh, start small what does that mean i don't even know what it means it's not even my vocabulary my friend saying no i want this status it's like no but you can do that for tax purposes i'm like nope i see grand i was born amazing thank you very much <laughs> that's what my parents told me i guess and the bible yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that helps for women as well because i do realize like even the way we see ourselves the way we talk about ourselves it's like, no, but I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't have enough. You're like, shush, you've made it through 93 with kids or other, other years in different countries. You're more than a survivor. My mom forbid me to say I'm a survivor in different things. She's like, you leave, you're victorious. So I go through that motto now. Uh, Mastercard Foundation. Let me tell you what I knew before uh, I got in touch with you, actually. It was so funny. I am into sports, so I know the work they're doing to uplift mm. women in sports. And it's mm. great. It's really great. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think they're one of the sponsors here, the new sponsors for OL Femina, which is like this, uh, the football mm. team. And they're sponsoring Honogaos. And for those who know me, Honogaos is like Jesus. No, not Jesus. It's like Virgu, Jesus. It's amazing. So, and growing up with... Uh, like mm. Champions League and stuff, you, we know what Mastercard is, but we don't know exactly what the word, uh, work they're, being, they're mm. doing behind closed doors. Mm. So apart from the digital payments and stuff, which is you know, American Express, 
MasterCard and Visa. What is MasterCard doing specifically? I think in Rwanda, you guys are like, you welcome them like big time. Huh? Like, yeah, vraiment, like, welcome. This is your playground. Because ha having 30 partners, to be honest, it's like huge. This is great. What are they doing now that needs to be done? I don't know if, for example, the, the mm. like in Nigeria, I don't know. Mm. What are they doing for the country that, where you're like, that's great. So first and foremost, there's a, there's a difference between the MasterCard, as in the payment system company yeah, that company. you know, mm. and the MasterCard Foundation. And so the MasterCard Foundation um, was established back in 2006 through the generosity of the MasterCard yeah. Corporation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when it, when it became a, a public company. Um, so MasterCard, as the company that you know, you know, is the leading global payment and technology company. Um, and it's a for-profit, widely respected in the private sector. Yes, sir. And so, yeah, so at that time in 2006, the, the MasterCard uh, company, the, they contributed a percentage of their assets as a one-time gift to create an independent foundation that bears the MasterCard name. So, mm -hmm. but... The foundation is a separate, it's autonomous and a non-profit organization mm. that operates independently from the MasterCard. And we have our own board of directors, our own management. Mm -hmm. So just, just to paint yeah. a picture of the difference between those two. And so in terms of the, uh, let me maybe mention, I, I've talked about the COVID-19 resilience program that I'm overseeing here, but mm -hmm. before COVID happened, Mastercard Foundation had always they had uh, two programs going on, you know, in Rwanda. So the first one is called um, Young Africa Works, and that is a ten-year strategy for enabling young people in Africa to access dignified work. Uh, through Young Africa Works, the financial the the foundation aims to enable thirty million young people, particularly young women, to access this dignified work by 2030. So we are still going back to the 2030. So nine years from now. <laughs> yeah. Go, 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 my friends. So the focus of really the, the Young Africa Works is to A, improve the quality of education and vocational training. Uh, so young people have the right skills, uh, the, the right skills that employers need, right? And the second one is really leveraging technology to connect employer and job seeker. Mm -hmm. And the third one is enabling entrepreneurs and small businesses to expand through access to financial services. So that's the one. Practically, what's happening on the Young Africa Works, the foundation is, uh, has invested, um, heavily invested in education. So vocational, some of the, we're investing in TVET, so vocational training schools here. We're helping higher learning institutions digitize. Uh, we are helping, you know, the structure that supports entrepreneurs, blacks of Inhomoko, uh, expand or amplify their impact. So reach out to more young people and also opening up opportunity for uh, access to finance to the young people. So again, through the network of partners, so we identify partners who can help on all these different angles, whether it's access to finance or business accelerator or a TVET. Mm -hmm. So uh, the funding will channel or go through those partners. 
And the second one that I think is also known is the Scholars Program. And so the Foundation Scholars Program is the Education and Leadership Development Program focused on developing uh, Africa's next generation of leaders. So it enables students from vulnerable and disadvantaged um, backgrounds to complete education at university in Africa, in Europe, in North and Central America, as well as in the Middle East. Um, and the, the majority of the scholars are young women. Okay. So um, yeah. That's great. <laughs> That's so, bigger picture. I, so scholarship to higher learning institution for young women. So yeah. when are they calling me? Thank you very much. My name is Alex Noir. <laughs> you can get in touch with me for Natalie. <laughs> that works as well. <laughs> no, yeah, we fine. have, yeah, they're a partner of different universities um, that they always have, like they have that scholarship, right? So okay. Like, so Carnegie Mellon University, the LU. Okay. So there's always, um, yeah. So if I want to go to the LSC through the MasterCard Scholarship, how do I do that? You, you apply directly to the school. To the school, they would have a, a, a call for application for students who are interested in the scholarship. So, mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning. All right. Yeah. Uh, so you talked about the education. Of course, it's something that's that's needed somewhere, especially everywhere. Sorry, especially in Africa now. But We've been handling, you know, education through Zooms and FaceTimes and Microsoft Teams, if some people are still using that. How do you deal with the technology thing, learning process yeah. in Rwanda? And it's not to dismiss, there is a 5G coming up in Rwanda soon, but not everyone, yeah. you know, honestly, not everyone has a computer, not everyone yeah. has, not even a phone, but how do you deal with that? And you're like, oh, so you were supposed to go to school. Oops, closing for a month. I don't know how many weeks you guys closed the, the schools over there. It was hard. It was, it was, it was truly hard um, because not all schools in Rwanda have access to electricity or mm. internet. I think there is a recent study that showed that, I mean, it, it's encouraging though, <laughs> because it's encouraging with the fact that there's, I know there's an ongoing initiative from the government to actually mm -hmm. support. So I think the, the recent study showed that uh, each school is 30 kilometers away from access from a source of electricity and internet. And so the current conversation right now is how do we have 100% of the schools in Rwanda get connected to okay. internet? And that's, that's, that's ongoing conversation and ongoing investment. So that's already happening, although it hasn't really completely been completed pretty much. And so how do you digitize? <laughs> I think uh, first we have to understand or appreciate the fact that teaching digitally or transforming the education also get, goes through the teachers. So the teachers have to know how to navigate or use the technology mm. they know and it goes beyond just to know how to use them because now the same level of engagement and interaction you have to recreate it but in a digital mm -hmm. space right yeah. and so you have to also train the teachers uh, create content and curriculum with this new technology tool so teacher training number one yeah. <laughs> number two access to equipment 
So the same teachers, they need to have laptops. They need yeah. to have internet. That's another yeah. investment. That's a heavy um, one, yeah. A heavy one, yeah. Part of the work that we're doing with the foundation is for some of our partners, we are also buying equipment like uh, IT equipment, uh, laptops. And we are also uh, uh, sponsoring or funding teacher trainings okay. uh, for some of our partners. And third, we also have now to avail all that technology to the students, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and how do you now uh, get the students who are primarily getting most of their learning from an in-person class hmm. to putting up the content online and making sure that some of the content is more self-paced. This is a new type of freedom, make mm. it this way. Yeah. <laughs> that you don't necessarily, or luxury that you don't necessarily have, right? Um, so it's a lot, uh, to be honest. I'm glad to see that there are actually ongoing intervention that mm -hmm. are hoping to address this challenge. That is an yeah. issue. <laughs> that's, that, that's an issue because, I mean, for now, it's not to dismiss the work that you're doing through the COVID relief and um, obviously it's needed and everything, but it's not something that's going to stay there, let's just say, in the next two years. Let's just say 2022, um, the vaccine, blah, 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 blah. There's so many things to tackle in East Africa because Africa is 54 countries. Let's just say in East Africa and then having the 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 means and the, maybe the access to 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 the country like Rwanda it could be Kenya with the willingness of the government to help what can we expect to see in 10 years you know what I mean it's like without being super optimistic yes they're doing well because at the end of the day any country on this earth whether you read the GDPs and um, economical you know economic status and blah, 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 it's like it's great but they're still things to take care of you know but there is so much hope especially again with a country like Rwanda yeah and I think last month you guys were doing the 100 days I don't know if it's 100 days or the month of mm. mourning so mm. it's still present you know how can you believe in five years ten years believing in a future that is bright for your kids uh, especially in that you, for example, you're a mother, you're like, yeah, I want my kids to to have the access of education, of water. Because some people used to ask me if we had running water. I'm like, I have the Lake Tanganyika, by the way, <laughs> in the country, just, just saying, <laughs> you know. So, and be like, this is our new normal. We don't have to ask those questions. We have the 5G. But then again, there is this thing, there is this thing we have to push to if it is women empowerment, because as you said, it's like, you said something like, if you don't take the women, you know, you don't take the community. Mm -hmm. Is there any safe space for women? Because it's not to make money for women. It's like mm -hmm. to have the voice, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I feel like a Meghan Markle. You have I to know. have the voice. <laughs> That's... I'm not sure I'll be able to answer fully your question. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, As, but I think my starting point is that we cannot afford to we can't afford to lose hope. Like, like hope. Like, we must believe in it first and foremost. Mm. And because you, when you think about it, you are creating a world that didn't exist before. So the benchmark is not there. Like you know, when you, I think I remember in our economic class when we were 
okay, I'm going to do a, a, big, a small detour. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in high school, we had this class in economy and, to, and we spent the whole term on one chapter called Le Sous-Développement. Okay. I don't know how I can call it in English at this point, but it was the Sous-Développement. Third country yeah. somewhere. Right. And so I spent a whole term hearing how, you know, my country <laughs> is, oh. is in the, like, third world country uh, yeah. all okay. term and trust oh. me after my my head was very big I was like Mm-mm. this can be what what I heard in the whole term is that there's no hope like pretty much because we had no history of industrialization so even some of the intervention that tried to industrialize the country failed for a whole number of reasons mm-hmm. like you even bring the equipment six months after no one is care- no one's there to even maintain the equipment And so a brand new equipment overnight becomes like an old useless equipment. Mm. So it was a whole lot of factors that all pointed to the fact that scientifically we are not, we will never. (laughs) That is crazy. (laughs) That is crazy. Wow. That's no, that's really. And so coming from that, you you get to a point where you like, you, you have to believe in it for it to work. You know, because we're not trying to replicate a model of industrialization from like big countries like the likes of UK. Like they, it took them centuries. Exactly. So you, you're really trying to leapfrog and transform. I think to, to, to something that I mentioned is we're going through a social and economic transformation. I didn't say progression. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So you have to rethink. Uh, about the world that you're into so if you're talking about education and you really want your labor force to be competitive on the regional or the international arena then education has to go beyond the traditional way of teaching and learning mm-hmm. right so yeah I- you you have to think about i don't know workplace learning technology yeah. coding like you really have to disrupt <laughs> everything <laughs> Honestly, I think some people are gonna stop me in the streets, but they don't know where I live because I wanted to make this joke and I have to make it. It's like, dude, we have to do so much progress that. And then when you said progress, I was like, unité travail progrès came back in your mouth. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> so let's the Burundian philosophy help you out, Africa. Unité travail progrès. Yeah, the the. We are so far behind to the mm. point that progressing is not enough. But you know, the funny thing is that moi, maybe having a, a, a father who is an economist, I had a different way of understanding the, 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 the status of the country. Tu vois? I would hear, like, for example, oh, I remember this. It was in third grade in primary school, so troisième primaire learning about the fact that geography and history at some point they're like 80, 90% of the population lives with uh, agriculture means uh, so why are people starving I, I don't you know what I, mean? like, I couldn't understand and it was like oh but they do it in a you know gardening blah blah blah, blah. not gardening pardon it's like a French version pardon the word and Virgil were like to feed yourself <laughs> sorry And it just stuck with me. I was like, how can you starve? And then I was like, okay, I still don't get it. But because maybe 
I will be hearing things that my dad will be speaking about the fact that we had so many, like the country was full of potential, not forget the human capital, just like the soil in itself. It like you can plant this here, it can grow. You can you'll be like, attends, we can plant apples in, in Burundi. And like, what is wrong with people here? <laughs> I still, then I went into high school economic class. I didn't follow. And then I switched to Belgian school because I was like, what is that? <laughs> but although we were not working on the sous développement, I was like, we have nothing. There is nothing in this country. <laughs> but because what I was hearing back home and on TV was it's not the lack of resources and like in some countries, it's just the lack of so many things. It just put it there. But I never understood how we could see itself as, you know, poor. You know, if there is any poverty somewhere, it's in the spirit. It's not in the country, phys like physical country. I'm just saying. For those who will remember who they are, Poor, blessed are the poor in whatever Jesus said, can remember the rest, but we can thrive. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's not really for the lack of opportunities, to be honest. That, yeah. It's the opportunities are there for sure. The country has natural resources that, if used well, they can mm. sustain us. Mm. But to your point on how can you be poor yet <laughs> into agriculture, well, if you look. Like, why, why are we even talking about, like, economical transformation? So you can look at the country and say, yes, we have resources. And when I say resources, let's talk about maybe the human resources. Mm. What type of activities are they engaging in? Okay, agriculture. Okay. What type of agriculture is subsistence agriculture? Where is the productivity level in terms of subsistence agriculture, right? It's just to feed yourself and that's it. And so when you look at the demographic, the person who is representative of, let's look at the, yeah, the demographic, you know, young people are rural-based. They don't have high school diploma. 63% of those young people who are farm, rural farm workers mm -hmm. are women. And within that segment, that's where you have the highest poverty rate, you see? So it is work, let me put it in quote, but it's not productive work. It's not the type of work that can help you um, sustain your family or mm -hmm. even help you dream for a better life for your, yourself and your, also your own family. And so when you're planning for a country, how do you move from unproductive primary type of agriculture to productive maybe value addition type of agriculture or commercial farm, farming that's how you have to think about and not just feeding yourself and surviving yeah. right that's yeah. okay so because you're one of the people who gave grants although it was small country smaller uh, enterprises yeah. imagine i'm like let me be, I woke up, it's Monday, I'm calling you, I'm like, Natalie, I need, um, I don't know, I just, let me imagine $20,000 $20, or euros to buy a tractor. Mm -hmm. I assume mm -hmm. it's the price, let's just say 20. I'm like, because mm -hmm. a tractor, you go quickly, you have your land, let's just say a grand of 50, so you can include everything mm -hmm. you need in there. 
Mm. At the end of the day, I still don't get it. How are we still using middle age system in a country where you're like, what the heck? I still don't get it. So the idea. Is the country not understanding that tractors work in Europe? <laughs> just, I, don't, I don't get it. Do I need to know how to drive the tractor? Okay, I'll get the license. And then help just the community. I'm not even saying like, take mm. one small village somewhere. Mm. In community, we're going to call them right. and hey, and be mm. like, let us buy two or three. And then in two years time, we have what the market, Meridian markets, 11 million people. I'm not even going to talk about the East African community because mm. East African is almost 500 million, almost 500 million guys. And I'm like, uh. I heard people are starting something, fishing industries in Lake Tanganyika, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. merci beaucoup. And then I look back to the first provider, the first company uh, in Burundi, c'est mm. la Brahoudi. I'm like, aren't we? aren't we doing something wrong here? So people are getting wasted through Heineken and, we, you know, they're somehow paying the, some taxes, not all of them, some taxes. Here are the priorities. We want the people to drink so we can have the taxes. On, in other countries, it's like eat well, sleep well, you know, peace of mind. Voila. So when, um, again... If you have a long-term view, you have to rethink some of the... I'll still go back to my social economic transformation. Like the word transformation <laughs> for me is always a good anchor for me. And why? Because, and maybe to your point on wh- why, why are we still using very archaic um, ways of farming and all of that. A, you have, let's look at the rural area. No, let's look at where people live. It's very scattered. So you may be in a certain province and maybe your family is on one hill and the other family is on a completely different hill. So it's very scattered in the rural area. And so one thing that you have to do if you're in the, for instance, the government and you want to ensure that the development and the infrastructure gets to even the most rural person is that you, A, you have to take people from wherever they are living and bring them closer to each other where mm-hmm. it's easy for, for instance, a government to come and invest. So we can bring electricity, clean water in one area. Move, so move from the very remote place and come live together. And what will happen is that the land that you've left will, can now be consolidated yeah. because you cannot yeah. bring a tractor on just one acre, right? Of course. Yeah, you need a course. critical mass, like you need a critical yeah. size of a land for it to uh, justify a tractor. Mm. So that's number one. Are we doing that? Naturally, we are. <laughs> number two, <laughs> number two, if you look at the cost of acquiring the technology, so the tractor that you import is very, it's an enormous, enormous amount. And so long time for me, it's more like, how can we now create like a similar technology locally or regionally so that the cost is not prohibitive for cooperatives to actually acquire their own technology or mm-hmm. like what kind of local technology can we produce that, that can also help the farmers? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think there's an appreciation that we can see the, the value of uh, adopting best practices in agriculture, but all the ingredients don't come together. So while the people are leaving, they're still living on, in their land, <laughs> far from everything. Uh, farmers working in cooperative, are they united? Do, do they have the same vision? Mm. Work in progress. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's a lot of factors that have really to come together mm. for you to work. Um, I don't know if that clarifies. No, of course. No. I mean, it, what you just said could be uh, written down. And be like, can we work on this? I don't know. A couple of brains <laughs> at the Ministry of Agriculture. Here's to Parole solving so many problems. <laughs> bringing, no, solving, no. Highlighting the problems and bringing some solutions, which is, <laughs> which is amazing. Nathalie is available in Kigali. <laughs> Ministre de l'Agriculture. That, that will suit you well, actually. That would be great. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, just because I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure I can, I'm cut out for public service. For public, uh, <laughs> it seems like everybody can do, you know, you can bring your your meager contribution in some way. Mm-hmm. I'm doing mine my way, far from the crowd. <laughs> far from the maddening crowd, actually. <laughs> um, so, because you're Rwanda, I have to make this joke because, uh, voila, although you're not Rwandese, God bless you you're helping the land. I realized like uh, I was just reading uh, something that PSG, I can say PSG, PSG is uh, starting an academy uh, over there. And uh, I've seen Visit Rwanda uh, doing, so Visit Rwanda is like the tourist tourism brand um, of Rwanda for those who don't know. And so they sponsored two things like Arsenal and PSG. And I'm like, to each their own. You could have chosen Manchester United. It's fine. Nobody's perfect. Not even Rwanda. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you tell me, Alex, uh, travel to Rwanda this year, next year, what can I see? I want to see the beautiful things. Uh, I don't know if there's, there, is, there are any. But if I wanted to get a sense of how Rwanda is growing now, what should I visit? Because I'm not going to visit the museums of the genocide. That I won't do, that's for sure. Uh, I want to see hotels. I've seen some beautiful hotels. One and Lonely, I know they're there. I'm waiting to go there, please. And, you know, just ha- to get a sense, not a touristic sense, but to be like, oh, man, they've been doing this. Like, they've been working on this. What would you advise? I mean, depend, depending on your interest, I think uh, <clears throat> for you who are, who, are, who, who are in sport and tourism, um, there are definitely some very interesting infrastructure that has been built uh, because, again, if you're in a country that is rebuilding, I think the number one question was, we don't have infrastructure. So I think that that infrastructure is currently at least there, right? Yeah. So uh, the Kigali Arena, for sure, uh, is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. A fancy basketball court. Uh, Your Madison Square Garden. <laughs> uh, uh, currently, we also have a, a cricket stadium in, yes. uh, in Gahanga. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a third Actually, infrastructure for let, let me, sports. Let me plug myself on this one because I interviewed uh, Abby. Abby is the, um, the co founder of the Cricket Builds Hope. 
And I was talking with Norette, Norette Olimucci on, mm-hmm. on the episode, and she was telling me about the cricket things. And I was like, really? Brandon? What? Why? So I got in touch with Albi. He was like, yeah, I can do the interview. So the interview is available on Sportive. So Sportive will be the other podcast. And it's mm-hmm. like about 30 minutes of explaining how they came up with the, the, the project and how, we, how it's going and how it's, you know. See, some things to do to help Brandon's. If someone is listening and they don't know me, they're going to love me. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of uh, tourism, mm-hmm. if you're interested in hotels, I, I think we have a couple of international brands. I think you already mentioned them, the like mm-hmm. the Marriott and Radisson. Uh, we have one and only. We have Bisate. We have Magasha. So we have a, a few um, luxury, uh, I would say, um, hotels that are really catering for the high-end market mm-hmm. and so if you're interested to really see the development of the country I think you have to go even like outside of Kigali I think because that's where you actually see the development like of course yeah, because, yeah. Because, because for me development also is is it inclusive you know like does it get to the the people in the districts they're really improving the, the road network big time because it <laughs> It used to be this way. <laughs> oh, yeah, I heard. Yeah, I heard. Wow. Um, it didn't used to be this way. Um, the They're also becoming very creative in terms of delivery, like logistics. How do you deliver blood in a remote area? Uh-huh. Now they use drones. So, uh, yeah, okay. delivery of, of blood um, for transfusion, yeah, through drones. So, uh-huh. There, there, there are a number of really good things that you can and, and good projects that you can actually visit mm-hmm. and, and speak to people. I think for me, it's, okay. it's the, I think you get the temperature when you speak to the people and see the, the hope. I think for me, the hope mm-hmm. is, is very critical. Okay. And uh, seeing that, you know, they, they do believe in this dream. So that's great. Vision, vision. Um, of course, it would not be me without uh, asking, how do you see networking? Uh, how do you use it? Because I, I feel like you know what it is already. How do you use it and how you need to teach it to other people to grow with it? You know, we have a term in Kirundi. Somebody gave it, uh, reminded me, because I think the last time I had heard the, the word I was in primary school, it was like, we say Ah, yes, yes. Voila. I could see when, how it can be related. Voila. And I was like, yeah. what? He's like, yeah, sometimes. I was like, geez, I really forgot about that one. I was like, networking, no. Yeah. It's, it's something that I've struggled, struggled with uh, personally, believe it or not. I think as an individual, I'm a, I'm a very introvert. <laughs> number one and <laughs> number two my choice of a career didn't help either you know as an accountant you tend to be on your screen for so many hours <laughs> and you probably don't pay attention <laughs> to a few things that other people will be excited about um, that's true but uh, I think as as I grow I am uh, I have had to see the value of networking I'm working on it and <laughs> <laughs> go girl, go girl. but uh, but I, I 
And the reason why I think I also struggle with it, I think you, the, the word Christian actually, you know, because if you're an introvert like me, you, you want to have meaningful conversation. And so um, those very platonic conversations is not something that I'm, all, that I'm interested in. That's for me, network is like, ah, <laughs> why do that? But yeah. it's, very, it's very crucial in your professional world, big time. Mm-hmm. And so how I am doing it right now is I've been able uh, to find an outlet through which I can give back. So I realized, I sat and I did a bit of introspection and I realized that throughout my career, I have always, I've always, been, always been on the receiving end. I'm sucking in information for work, <laughs> etc. And I've never really had a chance to maybe share what I have learned so far. So early in this year, I, like I mentioned, I'm so passionate about women economic empowerment. And so a project that I started this year is to start a series on personal finances for professional women. Um, nice. Where we talk about wealth creation. And that's for me a way to give back what I have learned, some of the mistakes that I've made that I don't want any of my other colleagues to do. So that giving also creates a network of people that I wouldn't necessarily meet in my professional career or not. So that's one way. So sometimes networking also starts with maybe shifting the perspective from Quisemba to maybe offer offer help, offer mm. your advice. That's also another way you can approach someone that you wouldn't necessarily talk to in the first place. But, uh, but it's needed. Your network is needed. I mean, for <laughs> me, I, I, honestly, I'm like, it's either a Nina thing, a Nina gift that God gave me, but I still really don't get it. I'm like, the person is alive. Ask. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, you don't know if that person is ready. So especially for women where when you're in a position of like leadership uh, or management, because I tend to differentiate leadership and management. There are so few women that if you want to learn what, how you balance family life and work, I'll be like, uh, Natalie, do you have five seconds of your time? But it is true that the difference will be like, Oh, I want to hear from you just because, and then you have nothing to say. It's not called Quisemba, it's called stupidity. And then you go back and be like, can you plan your questions? Because my time is so valuable. Mm. And I feel like maybe the, 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 the Burundian, maybe the Rundis, I don't know. Mm. Uh, they could be the same way. We're like, I don't know how to network. I'm scared that the person will say no. If mm. they say no, so what? It's fine. But I love when people are like willing to help. And they're mm. like, oh, I don't know this, this person. Let me, you know, let me, check, let me check this out. And fine. And so, yeah, I feel like you have a network of saint you have the network of Michel, you know what I mean? It's like, mm. and somehow when mm-hmm. you know someone, you acquired their network as well. Mm. So, you know, like by this yeah, conversation, yeah. for example, yeah. it means that by the grace of God, you have a network of Ecarton National. Of of the French things that are built here or whatever, you know? So... And that's how I see it. It's like there's so, mm-hmm. so much potential in networking that mm-hmm. we have to learn. Okay, I don't know how to put this. Uh-huh. But in terms of networking, I mean, I think you have that um, openness because of the exposure that you've had, right? So mm-hmm. that's, that's maybe one, one, one key factor. 
another thing that I've seen that this, let me talk about my stuff or the, the community that we live in, mm-hmm. whether it's Rwanda or Burundi, mm-hmm. is the willingness to share information. You, you, you don't understand the hassle of getting the right information. And that's really why maybe the network is not working <laughs> mm-hmm. because we're not willing to share what we know. We're not willing to share the opportunities that we've heard of. And that information asymmetry is to some extent what keeps us where we are, I believe. And I still don't get why. <laughs> yeah, I'm 33 and I'm still- The mindset. No, we, like, we, we don't. It's the mindset. Yeah, but if there's some, okay, Alex, there are like only two scholarships, you know, to attend this school. Okay, I got this info. Yeah, it's true that somehow you'll be like, eh, I'm, I really want this. I'll get it. But we're talking about information. Most of them available on Google. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, um, I don't know. Let me just give this crazy. Because here we have like a community of Beringians. And I remember being like, can you give me, when I arrived, okay, can you give me information? And they'll be like, because I have like good friends, like good, good friends. Mm-hmm. It was so like my coming in France was seamless. And I'm so thankful for those friends. And they know it. Mm-hmm. And then you move to another city. You're like, what is this? Where is no one telling me about, you know, this way, that way when you go to, for example, let me just give you this crazy example. Imagine you have um, East African passport, all right? So you're mm-hmm. a Burundian, and then at some point they tell you, oh, in order now to travel to the UK, post-Brexit and stuff, something like that, you don't need a visa. You know, it's just an example. So for you, you'll be like, oh, I'm going to London or to Brighton. But because you don't have this information, you'll be like, oh, let me put aside the visa fees and then I'm going to Kenya because we don't have the embassy in Burundi. Do this work. Da, 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 da. And then you arrive there. You'll be like, no, actually, it's free. You could have they could have left the country three weeks ago. Explain to me why someone who knew about this information could have told you, Natalie, don't waste your time. It's free. You know what I mean? Go to Aeroport, uh, fly. And that's for me something that is still shocking. I'm like, wow. So I don't know if it's African. I hope not. But I don't applaud it for sure. Bless the souls of the people who are still struggling with that. <laughs> that's for sure. Anyway, voila. Donc, just to finish, what can we wish for you? Where do I see you in? Let me tell you what I see you in 10 years. Somewhere in Africa. <laughs> okay. Leading something, some kind of organization, if it is MasterCard, is hopefully a, a profit. You know what I mean? I'm for a profit thing. Yeah, non-profit is fine, but we want to make those things happening in, in Africa. Would it be Nigeria? Would it be South Africa? Ethiopia? I don't know. But but 10 years from now, I'll come back to you and be like, Madam, where you at? Where are you dealing with? And in five years, where do you see yourself? That's a hard one. Why do you ask this question? <laughs> Always. Even my provision. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think uh, hmm, five years from now, I think uh, my 
like I mentioned, I, I really am so passionate about women economic empowerment and women taking charge taking charge of their finances. And so I hope that in about five years to come, my work will have helped uh, at least. Uh, Give me a number. I'm going to be conservative. I'm going to be conservative. Give I'm sorry about that. Easy number. <laughs> I want like a million girls. You know what I mean? Like, Listen, it's so much work. <laughs> it is. But maybe not. Yeah. But it's five years. But maybe no pressure. So the, maybe yeah, in, in about five years, maybe let me I'm not gonna I'm not going to put a crazy number. I'm an accountant, I'm very realistic. Uh, I look at historical data. <laughs> and for two hours you were like faith, hope, yes, we believe in it, vision. Yeah. And now you're going back but, to that. See that part of me still kicks it kicks in, it kicks in. Oh, <laughs> I'm those two people. That's the I think that's the that's the beauty of having this. And then it, will be like, oh, time, time 10. Maybe, yeah. I'm hoping maybe we'll have uh, reached at least 1,000 women. Um, how can I phrase it? It's not just capacity building. Like, that's very shallow for me. <laughs> it's wealth creation. How do we have 1,000 outstanding women uh, be some of the leading investors uh, mm -hmm. in the community? And, uh, you know, getting their community out of poverty, pretty much. Um, so that's where I am. And I also, in five years' time, I hope that I'll be able to expand my impact uh, in different parts of the continent, not really, not just in East Africa, but also West Africa. Yeah. I think yeah. that's my next, um, that's an area of interest for me <laughs> for the moment. So, yeah. yeah. Creating a Pan-African brand, why not? Come on. Women in Africa can be wealthy. They are wealthy. They just need to budget it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. okay. Oh, by the yeah. way, accountant, seriously, can you tell me why people, let me include myself, although I'm not there. We don't know how to budget. Especially, I mean, in, it's different. In, in France or in Western countries, they're like credit card, shklak, shklak, shklak. You're like, uh, do you know how much you're spending mm. on a daily basis, monthly basis? Mm. Because I know Burundi, it will be like, oh, let's go to the Akabare, Akabare, Akabare. You're like, do you have a budget for Akabare? You know what I mean? Like, DB, credit, assets. You know what I mean? Like, it's so how it's do you really know? ingrained. It's ingrained. <laughs> I was going to switch. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we look at two things. I think part of in our classes, we look at two things. First, we look at what is your money personality? Like what is your relationship with money? Because we actually do have a relationship with money. Whether we see ourselves as saver or you're a spender or you're just a risk taker, we, we all have that, that personality in us, by the way. And so we don't want you to change, but we want you to be aware that you have that personality and walk around it. So that's number one. Number two, there's this thing called black tax and it's there, right? So if you've grown in a, a single family, for instance, take care of extended family, you know that every franc was stretched to help people. And so if you come across as someone who budget, then you're stingy. That's, 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 that's the perception from the community. 
in Kurama Franga, you know? But now we don't want you to change. Like we don't want you to become a Muzungu, right? No. The idea is, yes, you have to, we understand that you do have responsibilities even beyond maybe your own family. Let's budget for that. And so there's a perception that a budget is a restrictive. For us, a budget is a way to, to give a job description to your money. Because at the end of the day, the, the, the fruit of your hard labor should not take care of you today. It has to take care of you today and tomorrow. And so, and so that's, that ability to project yourself in the future is, is what we are really working on. Because when you think about it, right now, even you, even my staff, we can't afford to retire. And retirement is not that far in life, no? My own parent is, is, is retired. Mm. <laughs> and I know, <laughs> and I know this is a situation in which you can remain for the next 30 years. And so how are you going to sustain yourself? Yeah. And you look in our economies, our African parents, they can't afford to retire. And so these are the type of conversation that we need to have right now. And we need to start sooner. So wow, that's true. I hope I was able to answer your question. No, no, no. I love the fact that you, yeah, you, you said budgeting and stingy. I'm like, ah, yeah, that's true. That's, uh, it, it's, but is it doable? The connotation. Is, is it doable, it honestly? If you, because if you take care of like, let's just say five siblings plus cousins and, and neighbors of blah 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 yeah. unless like you're a footballer or an athlete of some sort no honestly because i don't know how these the, the samuel Eto and the others were handling their money because yeah. like they're, they're yeah. supposed to support the whole cameron how anyway but if yeah yeah i think you need to set you need to set expectations you know if I'm, if Natalie is taking care of you, Alexandra, I need to let you know that my support has a deadline. I'm not going to support uh, you Bruce, for the rest of your are life. There are people who <laughs> think it's uh, unlimited, genre. Yes. Oh, oh yes. Right. Oh yes. In our community, of course. I will graduate, and then why I'm looking for a job, you're supposed to take care of me, and I'll still get married, even though I'm not. I mean, plus, I know, no, no, I know. I'll have one baby. <laughs> No, no, that's a problem. No, that's babysitting. That's not taking care of, of a certain problem of education. You go throughout school, if it is like an MBA or a normal undergrad. No, undergrad, you, you do that and then MBA you can handle with you. you know. What? No. Okay. So good luck with your work. Ask, ask, ask around. Ask, ask your parents or your aunties or your uncles. No, your in my family, they know me. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> no ask them about like the reality the reality is that since so that's the thing that's the expectation mm. if alexandra um, took care of my of my staff while i was in primary it means that my expectation is that alexandra will still be there for me <laughs> whenever i'm in trouble <laughs> even 10 years 15 years after so so we need to create to set those expectations like i'm i'm happy to to, to really sponsor your scholarship until level X. Because myself, as someone who's sponsoring you, I mean, we go through different life, life changes. So maybe in 15 years now, I'll probably not have the same level of income that I have right now. Yeah. And so, oh, I need to reprioritize, right? 
because life happens. <laughs> Can you imagine and, doing so like during the COVID and then <sighs> close doors? They're like, oh, but you're not taking of me. I'm like, hey, do you have a brain? Can you work? Can you be create? Oh my goodness. I'm not going to get angry against my fellow Africans, but uh, do something. <laughs> that's yeah. great. Wow. That's no, so, of course. It's, it's, and that's why I think those type of conversation, they have to start right from, I think for me, it's just right from latest secondary school. Because again, our, our education system molds us to become employees. And we know at the end of the tunnel, there's no job. So if you don't start today, setting the right expectation and the right type of thinking. <laughs> but is the problem coming from the, the person who's taking care of you or the problem who is receiving the aid? <laughs> I think it's both for me. <laughs> because if I'm funding you, I need to let you know. Well, yeah, true. Like I'm, mm. I'm generous enough to do this, but mm. I will not always do it, right? And you on the receiving end, you need to plan accordingly. See, that's why we need to teach the kids like in maternel. <laughs> I'll give you three months after you've been born. I'm like, you're going to start, you're going to feel secure at your first job at five years old. <laughs> Honestly, I've been hearing like a balance sheet since I was young. I was like, uh, my dad used to say like, fit moi un bilan. I'm like, Wait, what? What? <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm like, still, still, I don't get it, my friend. So I think I'm going to do the same thing. And it's stuck, stuck with me. But uh, no, we got to get rid of all these crazy cultural, I don't know. But I'm not that way at all. Like, I'm not going to say ask around, but people who know me, they're like, Alex doesn't have that burden on her. <laughs> if you don't know how I, to walk and you I, don't want to know how to walk. I think... I think the, the culture has to progress. I think uh, the fact that we are as a society are able to take care of each other and come together to help one another in for fortunate or unfortunate event, like that's something that we need to keep mm -hmm. for sure. Mm. Like it's unique to us for sure. But now that culture, I think it has to progress to now take into account the reality Mm. of our society and economy so we still have each other but now we have terms and conditions you want to sign the, the contract uh in four years and two days and three hours from now you'll be able to work <laughs> wow that's uh, I, I don't know but i can say safely that i was not brought up with the Oh, I'm going to help you until you die. No. Oh, by the way, so you have the, the people, I was going to say the women only, but like people who want to manage, for example, their, uh, they want to fund their marriage. Because I heard that the, the, the budget for marriage is all like, you know, huge. I'm not uh, pointing anyone because I've, voila, <laughs> I'm not married yet. So I'm not going to uh, pretend like I know. But for me, if you don't have the cash, you can still take a credit though. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know how to handle the credit, if you don't know if you'll, you know, make it, do a self bet and do little things. That's just me. 
Well, I'm not married either. But interestingly, this week, actually, we had, um, I mean, as part of my program that I've mentioned, we had a session on debt management. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there was an understanding that there's a, a productive and an unproductive debt. So it is one thing to, for you to be able to borrow, but are you really borrowing for the right reasons? Um, I mean, the marriage is not going to bring in the revenue to pay, to pay off the, de- the debt. So maybe that's not the right thing to borrow money for. That's just for me. Don't come after me. I'm not married yet. <laughs> it's called don't come after logic, but it's okay. So COVID has brought in a new opportunity to, to have small weddings. <laughs> I have a couple of friends who um, recently got... Um, got married and it was like a small wedding 50 people and and yeah I think it was to some to some people this was a blessing in disguise (laughs) if you don't have if you don't have a big budget this this was definitely the right time to get married (laughs) that's a good one that's a good one so um I think because yeah I think they are limited to I don't know 50 people in total if not 30 actually (laughs) I think it's good. I don't remember. I have to go back and check. But, but maybe uh, after this COVID, I hope that people will have seen that you can get a, you can have a small wedding and still enjoy in your life, maybe. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so in terms of how do we teach them is really currently because we started um, around again in COVID, uh, our sessions are virtual. And we try to keep our content very practical and give them the tools they need. So if you're talking about budget, we'll give you a budget template. And next session, you'll hear us from, like, we'll ask you, how far are you (laughs) with the budgeting and all of that? So very practical sessions and uh, virtual for now, but hopefully in the coming months, we'll be able to do an in-person session. That's good for all the women out there. Let me thank you for your time because it was a great time. Uh, I really did enjoy it. And um, today I'll travel to Rwanda. I'll be like, let me meet my Burundian people because they are doing a great work in Rwanda. I'm just saying. Thank you, Rwanda. Sponsored by Parole. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, you're going to love me. You're gonna... <laughs> well, thank you so much, Alexandra, for hosting me on your podcast. It was uh, well, very... <laughs> fun conversation to have (laughs) and to your former colleagues don't come after me I was just telling the truth (laughs) no no no, thank you but the funny thing that I just realized right now is that after all these years having left high school and stuff you are the one with les cheveux défrisés and I'm the one with the natural hair I'm just saying all these years ah la la if you guys want to change your system I don't know I don't know how it works now, but <laughs> so. people just turn. Okay. Now enjoy the beauty of having natural hair. <laughs> I mean, it's a struggle. That's why they're like uh, braided all the time. And I'm happy. <laughs> it's not yeah, a struggle, it's, but yeah, you know, it's we're too much work. I'm not sure I can handle that right now. Uh, as long as it's, you know, braids are really helpful. And the the, the nature, like, like uh, cheveux défrisés now, I'm like, oh, and I used to go to the to the salon every week. Mm-hmm, yeah. I'm like, it's fine because I could use those those two hours with other things. Productively. See? <laughs> Something there meaningful. You 
<laughs> watching uh no 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 i was serious we were used to watch lots of uh, documentaries on saturday afternoon after tennis so i'm just saying you can use tv for production after, after, after tennis mm. Hmm. Accept, accept. When, when some of us were running after balls hmm. i know uh, uh, I, I was the captain of for six four years i can at international and then at belge i did play football I did. that's why I need to come to visit Rwanda and be like, let me tell you how word, uh, sports work. Shh, let, me, let me show you how the real, uh, the real thing is done with it. Do you understand how like they play golf? Like for, for some, some, sometimes for me, like there's some types of, that some types of sport that I truly don't really understand if it's today, like an energy, is it like a walk in the park? <laughs> <laughs> I used to make a lot of fun, like fun of golf, but then I realized it's a mental game. Man, it's, it's like terrible. mental. Like no, I, you're walking. Italy, I'll take you. <laughs> I'll take you. I hope Rwanda does have. A... Oh, we do have a nice uh, golf <laughs> course. Um, we'll be. We'll try. But I'll take you there. I haven't played like uh, um in a long time and not that often. But I remember coming back, like going home and be like, oh man, okay, I'm tired. Okay, that's, I was like, new discovery. But what I really want to do is play cricket and then maybe afterwards make fun of it because <laughs> just, you know, but I am the good person. I try first and then make fun afterwards. So okay. <laughs> that's, that's just me. But um, well, Let yeah. me know when you come. I'll, I'll let go, my definitely. Just to try all those type of sports <laughs> but i'll make sure that i won't be traveling uh with honda because i want to make sure that i travel with burundian staff but then i realize we don't have a burundian company traveling. we don't we don't <laughs> i'll see what i can do for that i want to bring my burundian you know like the burundian uh you can smell alex burundian you know what i mean it's bit... i am proud of myself and i don't want to speak kenya honda <laughs> hey. You're free not to speak it. I mean, French, English. <laughs> no, like no. with the accents. You know, I'm like, no, no, no. I don't. Uh... <laughs> oh my goodness. We love Rwanda. Voila. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. Have a blessed uh, fête du travail. Yeah. Happy Labor too. Look at yeah. us having this conversation on Labor Day. And uh, yeah, kudos to you uh, for having this initiative, for inviting us, for doing the work you're the entre- you're, you're an entrepreneur actually so <laughs> out of the crazy madly crowd yes i'll try to do my thing yeah that's true <laughs> and if mastercard foundation wants to sponsor i'll be like let's work this out through the well sports talk. initiative by the way <laughs> uh, all stuff but like yeah call me yeah why not thank you very much anyway and uh, yeah thank you yes. <laughs> all right have a great weekend thank you.